Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We're very, very privileged today to have with us Mr. Douglas McGregor. And this is a real man of honor, peace, and heart and soul, and somebody that really knows what's going on in the military because the guy's been there. He's been at the top. And he has insights and observations of what's going on in Ukraine that you don't hear anywhere else. So thank you very much for being with us today. And, sure, happy to be here. And there's, of course, you know, the, the Ukraine war, the cover of our magazine, the Trends Journal, back on February 22nd, 2022, two days before the Russia invasion. Uh, the cover read, COVID war to Ukraine war to world war. Uh -huh. And as I see it, World War Three has already begun. And this isn't a proxy war. If I said to you, listen, give me some guns and a, and a hand grenade. I want to blow the guy's brains out next door. And you gave them to me. You're an accessory to the crime. And uh, to me, uh, what's going on here is America, NATO, and its allies are at war with Russia, as clear as can be. And this is going to continue to escalate unless it stops. And the media has it as though, you know, the Russians are losing. They never mention that they control over 20% of the uh, territory that they didn't have before they invaded and make it very clear we're both opposed to the war. We're just giving the people the facts of what's going on and, they, and morons and imbeciles. When you give them the facts that they don't know and they don't like, they call you a, uh, a Putin puppet, you know? So, uh, and then the other thing is that after the United States, after uh, the Ukraine and or the United States, the UK or whoever blew up the Crimea bridge and the Nord Stream pipelines, Putin said, OK, we're going to ramp it up now. And that's where it's at now. And they've destroyed the numbers that I see. And you would know better than I do because, you know, a lot of what's going on on the on the ground. About 70 percent of Ukraine's power and water infrastructure have been destroyed. So. How can this keep going on and keep more weapons keep going in there when it's a losing battle? Well, it's going to go on until it can't. And I think it's going to reach that point when the Russians ultimately launch their offensive. I think by the time the Russians that have positioned now, certainly at least 650,000, probably close to 700,000 troops all the way around Ukraine, when the uh, striking power of that force, which will be 300,000 roughly that goes in, uh, I think the place will collapse. And the, and the reason is, is very clear. The, the losses the Ukrainians have taken are, are just frightful. The conditions under which they have been fighting are incomprehensible. I mean, this man Zelensky has thrown away human life in Ukraine on a scale that Stalin and Hitler uh, achieved during World War II. This is not, this is not a, a sensible, pragmatic individual by any stretch of the imagination. And I guess as long as Zelensky continues to receive cash and equipment, uh, he will continue to force the issue. And, you know, let's face it, at this point, Ukraine is, for all intents and purposes, the 51st state. We own it. We pay for the government. We pay for the armed forces. We equip it. Uh, these are the facts. Now, where are the Ukrainians at this point? They've lost an estimated... 157,000 dead. And when, when I say that, people are shocked. Oh, that can't be. Because nobody in the mainstream media tells you the truth. 
We confirmed some time ago about 122,000 dead. This is through newspapers and various sources on the ground and comments from people that are in the war, observers from the outside. But then we also discovered something that the Ukrainian government admitted to, and that is 35,000 missing in action and presumed dead. When you add that to the number, you're at uh, 157,000 dead. The hospitals are full to the brim. They're bursting with wounded, terribly wounded people. And as we were talking earlier, uh, the report that came in this morning from a Ukrainian source on Telegram talks about the numbers of Ukrainian soldiers, wounded soldiers dying in the cold because they, they do not have adequate clothing and they can't evacuate them. And they can't evacuate much of anybody at this point because Zelensky has given them this Hitlerian order, which is to hold every inch of ground instead of allowing these people to withdraw to new defensive lines. So this is, this is a disaster. It's a catastrophe. The Russians are not losing. They're poised to put an end to this. And it's not going to be attractive. And the biggest mistake we can make at this stage of the game is to intervene in this thing just as it's ending on the assumption that somehow or another we can, we can turn back the clock. We can't. And we certainly don't want to risk direct confrontation with Russia. If we do, then the, the danger of the nuclear confrontation, it goes through the roof. Well, you mentioned the danger of a nuclear confrontation. They've been selling this, by the way, and we've been warning about this now for several months. And um, for instance, Business Insider a few weeks ago, this is the headline. You ready for this? A nuclear attack would most likely target one of these six U.S. cities. And they say a nuclear attack on the U.S. soil would likely target New York, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. But the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency has an emergency strategy. FEMA has some simple advice. Get inside, stay inside, and stay tuned. You know, what am I, six years old? Simple advice to simpletons. Who are you talking to? You're going to be dust. Life's not going to worth, be worth living. I, I thought they uh, thought they were going to tell us all to move to Cancun or something. Uh, look, this we don't even want to consider this. Uh, the Russians have made it very clear that unless they are attacked with a nuclear weapon, they will not use nuclear weapons. They don't need to. They're ultimately dominating the battlefield. For instance, every single day, the Russians fire upwards of almost 60,000 artillery rounds from all the artillery systems, rockets, shells, and so forth. The Ukrainians can only fire roughly 6,000 back at them. Now stop and think about that. Uh, I'm a soldier. I have been under artillery fire. I've driven in my tank through artillery fire, including air burst as well as ground burst. And 60,000 rounds is, is beyond my comprehension. That's like living under a, a rain of steel 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Unless you can silence the enemy systems, all you can do is withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. Uh, and instead of withdrawing, which would be the intelligent thing, uh, they're leaving their soldiers there to die in great numbers. It, this, is, this is horrible, and, and we're responsible for this, uh, Gerald. We did everything we could to bring on this war. This is not something that was created in Putin's mind. And the Russians have no interest in conquering Eastern Europe. That's all nonsense. Oh, They've been there. They've done that. That was a mistake. They got out. And they don't want to go back. 
And we're trying to extend this indefinitely. And it, the only thing that will result is the complete destruction of Ukraine. Uh, you ready for this? This is the headline from Reuters. Putin allied Medvedev warns NATO of nuclear war if Russia defeated in Ukraine. And they go on to say the former president... Uh, Medvedev, an ally of Kremlin chief Vladimir Putin. This is the this is the how they use propaganda. An ally of Kremlin chief warned the North Atlantic Treaty Organization on Thursday today that the defeat of Ukraine could trigger a nuclear war. Now wait a minute. It says that he warns NATO of nuclear war if Russia is defeated in Ukraine. Then he goes on to this is quote. The defeat of a nuclear power in a conventional war may trigger a nuclear war. Wait, wait a minute. He warned that it would be a nuclear war. Again, pure propaganda. He goes on to say nuclear powers have never lost major conflicts on which they fate on which their fate depends. Nuclear powers have never lost major conflicts on which their fate depends. That's all he said. And that this can continue to escalate. And, no, and, but they keep putting it out here. But what I'm saying to you is that they are promoting nuclear war. And in the sense that I believe that the United States is going to, this is going to ramp up where we're going to become involved in this because there's going to be a false flag event or a nuclear exchange. So let's go to... The Russians sent a missile into Poland and two people died. Remember that one? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. A total Listen, lie. But my God, two people died. Oh, did you see the numbers came out? 600,000 Tegrians were killed in the Ethiopian war, started by the clown that was the after he won the Nobel Peace Prize. How about the 377,000 Yemenis? that according to the United Nations have been killed, half of them, according to the United Nations, children under the age of six years old. Oh, but two people in Poland were killed by the Russians. Let's unite. That's what I'm concerned about. No, that, listen, that's legitimate. And you know as well as I do that if we go back through American history, it's not difficult to discover that in 1965, uh, we claimed that there was an incident in the Gulf of Tonkin when there was none. And before anybody could say, investigate, we had effectively declared war. And Johnson began committing troops to Vietnam. We have the, we, we always have this problem with the truth when it comes to the outbreak of warfare. So I think you're right. I think we have every reason to be concerned. The good news is this, and this is going to sound strange to some of your listeners. The Russians are not fools. They do understand what, what nuclear war means. They have no interest in it. I don't think the majority of people in Washington have any interest in it. But the concern has always been the same thing. Once it becomes abundantly clear that Ukraine is crushed and Russian forces are advancing across that country, will we risk a direct confrontation on the conventional level with the Russians, for which we're completely unprepared? I mean, we can't even recruit to the United States Armed Forces at this point. We only have 457,000 men in the United States Army. 
Of that number, you have perhaps 120, 130,000 that are actually combat troops. All the services are in bad shape thanks to 20 years of stupid wars, also based on a series of lies that we don't need to go into. So now, now I think it is a real danger, once this becomes clear, that someone in the White House will say, oh gosh, we have to do something. We can't just sit here. We have to do something. Well, something is not an answer. Something is not a strategy. We've never had a strategy. We've never had a strategy for any of this. We said, well, we're going to punish the Russians. And then they made the mistake of assuming because the Russians went in initially in the hopes of just inducing negotiations that they were weak and stupid. Now the Russians are giving them what they don't want, total war in Ukraine. War, war, war. We don't understand it. We haven't fought in it for decades. And we need to stay out of it because this war is unlike anything we have seen since World War II. And again, you see what's going on, how NATO keeps that, that little clown boy, Stoltenberg, just uh, yesterday, more weapons, more weapons, more weapons. The UK just came out today. They were going to keep sending more weapons, more weapons, more weapons. And you mentioned about the Gulf of Tonkin, that lying little lowlife McNamara lied, that arrogant guy about it happening. And again, what the hell are we doing in the Gulf of Tonkin? What, what if the Vietnamese were in the Gulf of Mexico? Exactly. You know, I'm an American. I believe in the founding fathers like George Washington. You read his farewell address. Do not become involved in any foreign entanglements, particularly what's going on in Europe. This stuff has been going on for centuries between these people. Exactly. We're not going to solve them, and they're not our problems. And when you're talking about the Ukraine border dispute, what is this going on for 300 years? They're taking down the statue of Catherine the Great? Oh, Catherine the Great, Odessa, 1750? I mean, it's been going on back and forth. And like you said, Russia's no, made no threat to invade the rest of Europe. And then you have this clown boy playing the, the prime minister or whatever over there in Lithuania, or Latvia, rather. Latvia's president has urged Western countries to step up military support for Ukraine. He's at the, at the, at the, at the Davos conference. Yeah. And you're seeing at the Davos conference from Zelensky's wife to one clown after another, pumping up more war. Well, everybody's emoting. Nobody is thinking. And that's the first problem. And the second problem is that they harbor delusions. And, and what are these delusions? Well, number one, that we are all powerful, that we are invincible, that nothing bad can happen to us. Today, there were also comments from the New York Times about, well, the, the Biden administration is warming to the idea that we should help the Ukrainians target and attack places inside Russia itself, inside Crimea especially. There's no sense at all that we're not sitting here in isolation. We can be harmed. There oh. are many ways for the Russians to attack us. They have exercised extraordinary restraint. I doubt very seriously that we would exercise that kind of restraint if there were large numbers of Russians or Chinese in Mexico beefing up a Mexican army yeah. designed to attack us. You know, this is the magazine, the Trends Journal, and it used to be a quarterly. Spring 2014, when the United States started the, uh, the overthrow of, this is an article by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, 
former assistant treasury secretary under Ronald Reagan. Washington is driving the world to the final war. World hegemony is not a right America has earned. He goes on to say, Washington concluded that Russia needed to be confronted with or distracted by problems that would leave the Russian government less confident or able to counter Washington's aggression elsewhere. Ukraine presented the perfect opportunity for Washington to advance its hegemonic agenda. In a speech at the National Press Club last December, which was December 2013, Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland boasted that Washington had invested $5 billion in non-governmental organizations in Ukraine for the purpose of NGOs to teach democracy. You remember that. You remember her speech. People have no idea. They have no idea. These are the unelected bureaucrats who are making policy. And I don't really think, quite frankly, President Biden is even remotely involved in any of this. I think he just is handed things to read and he reads it into the teleprompter or the television cameras. So the people around him and the people at the State Department over at Department of Defense that are that are the quote unquote Biden handlers, they're running this show. Nobody elected them. No one has consulted the American people. I dare say that if you consulted the American people on the wisdom of war with Russia, you would get a resounding no, overwhelmingly the majority, but they're not consulted. No, the people have no idea what's going on. They got to think the CNN keeps running this article about this guy, Walsh or whatever they killed, killed his wife. What do I care about this stuff? This is not news. Elvis Presley's daughter died. Great. That's good entertainment news, but don't tell me that's news. A football player gets tackled and gets a heart attack and it's news for a week and a half. But the people you, don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, you know, it distracts everyone from what's really important. Yeah. Here, you ready? Yep. UK to further UK, UK to go further in support of Ukraine. The United Kingdom is set to provide Ukraine with more than 200 armored vehicles in addition to a batch of Challenger 2 main ta- battle tanks. This is today. It's it's one after another. They keep ramping this up. And are you ready for this one? As I said, they're preparing us for nuclear war. This just came out today. Study. This, this, this is like you're talking to a six-year-old. Study identifies best place to hide from nuclear blast shockwave. The corner of a room is the safest spot to hide from a massive shockwave caused by a nuclear explosion. You ready? Scientists from Cyprus have discovered after running computer simulation of the catastrophic event. Scientists from Cyprus, how about clowns from Disneyland? Who the hell are you talking to? Yeah, it's depressing. It's depressing, but it probably will get far less attention than uh, Lisa Presley's demise. Yeah. Because Americans don't understand what's at stake. You know, we we need a, if, you know, all these billionaires, not a penny for peace. Where are the peace movements? You know, I had to rally up here. I had, you know, Judge Napolitano, Scott Ritter, Gary Null, and, and Phil Giraldi. People don't know who Phil Giraldi is, but he's a former top CIA guy that goes into Bush's office and shows them the facts. There's no weapons of mass destruction in, in uh, Iraq. And 
Bush tells him to get out of here, leave the office, and Giraldi, being a real man, quit. We sent out several thousand press releases over the course of three weeks. The streets were packed here. Zero coverage. Zero coverage. But if I had a rally to support Ukraine and put up a Ukrainian flags everywhere, it would have been great news coverage. Of course. So what do you suggest? What do you suggest we do to stop this? I think that the right in the country, as opposed to the left, I'm talking about, and, and the right has to be defined simply as Americans who care about and love their country. I, I've long been disappointed in the two-party system. I don't see much difference between Republicans and Democrats okay. because they're all wholly owned subsidiaries of various lobbies. And as Holy a result, owned subsidiaries of various lobbies, perfectly and, said. Go on, I'm sorry. And, and, and as a result, we no longer have people in Washington representing the interests of the American people. And I, I felt strongly that we should have a new party, a, a new party completely. And I think we would attract large numbers of Democrats as well as Republicans into it if we made clear what we want to do with this party, what, what the platform would be. And that platform has to be one of avoiding unnecessary conflict. Yeah. It has to enshrine peace and prosperity as our top goals in, in the world. It has to give up this notion that nothing can happen in the world unless we some, somehow or another are shaping the outcome. In fact, we don't need to be involved with most of the world. And what happens no. in most of the world on any given day doesn't make much difference to us. No, I and, agree. And, and the other thing is talk about our sovereignty. You know, we're, we're talking about Ukrainian no. sovereignty. What about ours? We've given it up. We've abandoned the borders. We, we don't enforce law. We've undermined uh, you know, law enforcement. We're exalting criminality. We're treating it as though it's something good. Uh, this, this all has to go away. But the only way to get, a, get rid of it is to build a new platform. I and agree. that platform has to have media. In other words, you've got to develop the alternative to what is dominating us in the mainstream. Call it a free speech platform or a confederation of platforms, whatever you want. I don't see anybody on the right with any money stepping forward to do anything. I know. That's what I was saying. So here's my suggestion. RFK Jr. for president and Judge Andrew Napolitano for vice president. And here's my thinking. I have this I got it framed, actually, a couple of months ago. I, I, I came across it, and I found it. And it's a um, from the Daily News. Mm -hmm. And then I found this one. RFK goes home, goes home. He's buried. Imagine RFK Jr., his father's assassinated, his uncle's assassinated, the President of the United States. This guy must have a heart and emotion that none of us could ever imagine. And the Kennedy name would bring in the left. The Politano would bring in the right and people with an open mind that know that there's, and I, again, I don't know anybody that knows the Constitution 
the Bill of Rights, the details of it, better than Judge Andrew Napolitano. Fact after fact after fact. So then we bring them on the libertarian ticket because they are they have ballots in all the states. And when the money starts coming and we also form a new third party. That's my thinking. What do you think? Well, it's worth trying. Unfortunately, my view is that not a whole hell of a lot is going to happen until everything implodes. But again, Ameri- let's, Americans, again, Americans aren't prepared to do very much. Forgetting that, part, forgetting that part. Suppose we had the money behind us mm-hmm. and the power behind us to get RFK Jr. and Judge Napolitano to run. What do you think their opportunity, the chances of if we had them, if we had the money behind us for them to win? Without the collapse financially and economically, no chance. You don't think they could defeat them? No. You have to have the financial collision first, the collision with reality, that you can't simply spend and spend money that you don't have. You cannot continue to engage in these wealth transfers. Well, that would be part of their platform. And again, Americans have to go through, I'm sorry to say, this, this crucible. I think they're going to have to suffer. Look, everybody knew that the revolution in France was coming for decades. Nothing happened for decades until the people of Paris in 1789 could not afford to buy bread. That's what triggered change. And unfortunately, (laughs) until people are miserable, until they're uncomfortable, until they can't heat their homes, until they can't drive their cars, they can't pay for gasoline. And look, we're on that path. You know that, Gerald. We're on this path. When that happens, then there will be an appetite for people to come in who are not part of the status quo and make profound change. But we're not there yet. Well, I agree with you, the whole thing. You know, I go go out, I I work very hard, you know, with the magazine. It's a weekly, so I like to get out. The streets are dead at night now. They're dead, 9 o'clock at night, dead. I went to a top place last night with a friend, and there was hardly anybody there. Uh, the, I, I went to New Year's Eve. I, uh, I, I went to a party, came back after 12 o'clock on the ma- major road up here in Kingston between Woodstock and here, hardly a car on the road. It, the whole thing has changed. People are going down. But I also want to point out that the latest Gallup poll came out and showed that people rank congressmen lower than car, used car salesmen. So that hatred and disgust of the parties is there among the people already. Well, that's an insult to used car salesmen. <laughs> they're, they're actually not bad people. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know. But listen, thanks so much. And, um, and uh, oh, by the way, you said about our borders, securing our borders. That, you know, on the, the um, what's his name? Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, Supreme Canada Allied Forces, just a couple of days ago was January 17th. On January 17th, 1961, he gave his farewell address, and he warned the American people that the military-industrial complex was robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, the sweat of the laborers, and the future of the children. And here we are. And I mentioned um, uh, JFK. I have his speech from... He spoke to the graduates of the University of uh, American University. 
on June of 1963. And his whole speech, the entire speech was about peace and about the Soviet Union. Yeah, they're blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they've lost 20 million people in, in, the, uh, in World War II. Their country was destroyed. These are good people. Very positive. And at the end, he says, America will not go to war. This is then five months later, Jack, you're dead. I'm going back to the border, just making the connection. LBJ comes in eight months later, the Vietnam War starts. And LBJ was the guy that did away with the immigration policies to bring in cheap labor. I remember growing up as a kid, I used to hear my parents and I didn't understand what they were talking about, that their cousin Constantino couldn't come over to America. There were limits on how many people you could bring in. And then in my book, Trend Tra uh, Trends 2000, that I wrote in 1996, Bill Clinton did this thing with the H-1B visas to bring in more and more cheap labor. So that's what they've been doing. They've been bringing and letting all these people come in because the bigs that control everything, all they want is cheap labor. Well, I think uh, LBJ said, I may be wrong and it may have been somebody else, but I think LBJ said, if I cannot find enough people in this country to vote Democratic, I'll import them. Yeah. And I really think that's been the uh, message for. And that's what they're doing now. Again, when you and I were young guys, they had drug stores, they had stationery stores, they had grocery stores, they had hardware stores, and now they're just chains. Staples owns it. Home Depot owns it. Lowe's owns it. Kroger owns it. And all Walmart owns it. All we want is cheap labor. Amazon owns it. And to me, that's why they don't care. Let them come in. We need the cheap labor. Well, we have we've not paid attention for a long time, and we're about to reap the whirlwind. Yeah. And I'm afraid that reaping the whirlwind is an unavoidable necessity if we're to rescue this country. Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm going in a different direction. I'm going to do everything I can to get uh, Judge Napolitano's on board. He said he'd do it. And RFK, at least we'll start changing the message and we could start building, you know, if we don't win this time, you know, at least we set the foundation for the future. Because I agree with you 100% we need a new third party. And this could be the beginning way of starting to do that. Thank you so much for being here, sure. Mr. McGregor. Your knowledge, your insights, and your observations are far beyond what most people know. And you have the, uh, you know, the, the, the inside loop as well on what's really going on in the, uh, in the war machine. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Gerald. God bless America. Oh, you can't say that anymore because no God would ever bless these wars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for reminding me. I'll, I'll stick with it. All right. But that's the God that I want yeah. because no God would support this kind of thing. So let's have God bless America again. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.